Welcome back to Sideline Exposure. I am your host, Mitchell Crossan, and this is Exposure 104. And this week, we are taking a deep dive into the University of Pittsburgh Panthers, who went on to have a great year in the 2021 season. So let's go ahead and start with a general overview of the program and look back at that season. So Pitt finished the 2021 season 11-3 overall, which came 8-1 in conference play with a win in the ACC Conference Championship game. The three losses came against Western Michigan, Miami, Florida, and Michigan State in the Peach Bowl to end the year. Head coach Pat Narduzzi finished his seventh season with the Panthers and looks to continue to build off of the success that they saw in 2021. A little fun fact about Pitt football that most people don't know is that they actually claim nine national championships and is among the top 20 college football programs in terms of all-time wins. Now, granted, these national championships came in 1915, 1916, 1918, 1929, 1931, 1936, 37, and 1976. So the point is it's been a while since they've been truly relevant on a national stage and actually competing for national championships. Now, with a lot of these programs, you know, you can look back at their history and when they've claimed, quote unquote, national championships. And it's kind of similar to what UCF did a couple years back where they went undefeated, but didn't make the playoff and went ahead and just claimed themselves as national champions. This is what a lot of these programs did, you know, 100 years ago, 110 years ago, 90 years ago, etc. However, with, with these championships, Pitt was actually named as the major selector. So they were determined by the official NCAA records book as actually being the national champ. So it, it adds a little bit, or really should I say, it kind of legit legitimizes this record book for Pitt, as you will, and for the NCAA. Multiple programs have done this in the early to mid-1900s where they give themselves credit but Pitt is actually able to point the record book and say, hey, let's let's take a look at this. We have a little bit of history here. Nonetheless, I got to give credit where credit is due. And Pitt went on and had their best year in quite some time. Let's go ahead and take a deep dive into their head coach, Pat Narduzzi. After the 2014 football season, Michigan State defensive coordinator Pat Narduzzi was named the head coach of the Panthers. This was his first go-around in terms of being a head coach, and he was nationally recognized as being one of, if not the top defensive minds and assistant coaches in the country leading up and during the 2014 season. So being at Michigan State really opened the door for Narduzzi to become a head coach. But where was he before taking the defensive coordinator job with the Spartans? Pat Narduzzi began his coaching career at Miami University in 1990 as a graduate assistant. Pat moved on in 1993 and coached at the linebackers at the University of Rhode Island until 1997, when he was then promoted to the defensive coordinator from 1998 to 1999. Then in 2000, Pat Narduzzi served as a linebackers coach at Northern Illinois, then returned back to Miami University to be the DC in 2003, before ultimately joining the Cincinnati Bearcats coaching staff as their defensive coordinator in 2004. It's really safe to say, like most coaches, especially early on in their career, Narduzzi found himself moving around quite a little bit. And this is really just him 
and coaches in general finding a way to consistently work the way up throughout the ranks. Narduzzi left Cincinnati in 2007 to join Michigan State, even though he was actually a head coaching candidate for the Bearcats. However, Cincinnati went with a different hire and went on in a different direction, naming Brian Kelly from Central Michigan University as their head coach in 2006. According to his Wikipedia page, Narduzzi had informed the University of Cincinnati that if he was not offered a permanent head coach position, he would follow Mark D'Antonio to Michigan State, being their defensive coordinator, and that's exactly what he did. Mark D'Antonio and Pat Narduzzi had one main goal while at Michigan State, to revamp a depleted defense. Defense is definitely a strong suit for Narduzzi, and he seems it really seems to be his specialty. Michigan State quickly became known as a tough defensive team and gave many teams fits defensively, including the Big Ten King, Ohio State. Narduzzi did pursue other jobs while at Michigan State, which included the defensive coordinator positions at Texas A&M and the head coaching position for UConn, but chose to remain at Michigan State and really wait for the right fit. This seems like the thing that a lot of coaches do now. We've seen this most recently with Brent Venables. He was Clemson's defensive coordinator. He has now since moved on to coach Oklahoma and returned back to them. But Venables was waiting for the right fit himself. And he didn't want to take the the first you know, big time power five job that came open. Right. He wasn't going to go coach at Auburn or a program like that. Oklahoma opened up. It was a great fit. And he was able to capitalize on it. It's been you know, it, it, there's a lot of hype around that program now, and it seems like he could help turn that program around and bring in that defensive mindset to them. It felt like a similar situation here with Narduzzi back in you know 2012, 2013, 2014, and he was really just waiting for that right fit. In 2013, Pat Narduzzi went on to win the Royals Award, which goes to the nation's top assistant coach, and then Pat went on to leave Michigan State and, and frankly left on good terms with D'Antonio and the university as he accepted the pit job on December 23rd, 2014. So we've gotten some background on the program. We've gotten some background on Pat Narduzzi. Let's go look at the offensive side of the ball. Offensively, Pitt had a great year, putting up an average of 38 points per game with 469 yards per game. Those ranked 6th and 11th nationally, and they were led by a senior quarterback, Kenny Pickett, who helped turn Pitt into a little bit of an offensive team with a defensive-minded head coach. Speaking of Kenny Pickett, Pitt was raised in New Jersey and was the 21st-ranked prospect in the state in the 2017 class, rated as a three-star quarterback. Like most modern-day college quarterbacks, Kenny plays with a pro-style motion yet has an athletic ability to extend plays and use his legs, which really just adds another element to his game. Other schools that showed interest and or offered Pickett included Temple, Rutgers, Boston College, Duke, North Carolina, Old Dominion, Virginia, Toledo, Wisconsin, Buffalo, USC, Florida, etc. Pickett actually originally committed to Temple but flipped to the Panthers and helped change the future of that program. In his true freshman season in 2017, Pickett was mostly just a backup, but did earn his first start in the final game of the season against the Miami Hurricanes. He completed 18 of 29 passes 
for 193 yards and a touchdown, rushing for 60 yards and two more touchdowns, and an upset win to end the regular season on a high note. Pickett was named a starter for the 2018 season, throwing for just under 2,000 yards, 12 touchdowns, and six picks that year. He did lead the Panthers to their first ever ACC Coastal Conference Division Championship, so you start to see some progress there with Pickett as their quarterback. Looking ahead to 2019, it was really kind of a similar story, although Pickett did miss one game due to injury. Pickett completed 289 passes that season for just over 3,000 yards, three touchdowns, and nine picks. So a numbers-wise, very similar to the 2018 season. Mark Whipple was the new offensive coordinator for the program, and it is said that he increased the amount of throws for the offense every week. And this really checks out with, other than the fact that the touchdowns and the picks were similar, the 1,000-yard increase from 2018 to 2019 speaks for itself. 2020 felt similar, with Pickett throwing for 2,408 yards, 13 touchdowns, and 9 picks, leading his team to a 6-5 and record. The Panthers opted out of the bowl game, collectively deciding as a whole due to COVID. You can't really hang anything on the 2020 season for any program. I mean, you can get Michigan, which was our most recent exposure pod, they had an awful 2020 season that went on in 2021. Beat Ohio State, Big Ten Championship, college football playoff appearance. 2020 is just that odd year. And I hate using the term, oh, it's asterisk year or an asterisk championship or whenever people use that. But in this case, 2020 really is. And the NCAA said, okay, look, we'll give you another year of eligibility. And that was what happened with a lot of guys who decided, you know what, I want to capitalize on that. And I feel like I still have something left to accomplish here in college and also feel that I can continue to grow. So back to Kenny Pickett, it really feels like he wasn't able to get in a true rhythm at Pitt at all until the 2021 season. Because you look at his progression, he had a new offensive coordinator as a junior, then the COVID year as a senior, and it just seems to stunt his growth as a quarterback. When you come into a new program, a new system, and a new team in general, as a freshman, it's definitely quite a big change. And most guys aren't able to walk on in and immediately have a ton of success. There's definitely a lot of room for growth. When you take into account that there's new coaches, coaching staff turnover, then the COVID year, it does stunt your growth a little bit. Pickett did capitalize on the fact that he could come back for an additional year due to COVID. And this really seemed to kick things into gear for Pickett. He became one of the nation's top passers and frankly, one of the top players in the country this last season. He finished the regular season with 40 touchdowns and seven picks, throwing for 4,066 yards. He set numerous school records, was a finalist for the Heisman Trophy, and is seen by many as one of, if not the top quarterback prospect in the 2022 NFL Draft. In a 24-7 sports article, Mel Kipper stated back in November that the first passer won't come off the board until Kenny Pickett is taken 20th. The Pittsburgh Steelers currently hold that pick, and they desperately need a quarterback with Big Ben retiring. Could I mean, my question is, could Kenny really play ball, college ball, for University of Pitt, and then professional ball for Pittsburgh? That's definitely a great story, and... 
I'm sure that the Pittsburgh faithful would be happy to see that happen. Looking at Mel Kipper's most recent big board now, he moved him up and has him going 18th to the New Orleans Saints, who also need a quarterback. So a lot has changed, and I imagine things will continue to mix up a little bit over the next couple months as we get closer to the NFL draft. Let's go ahead and transition over to the defensive side of the ball. Defensively, the Panthers really weren't too bad. They ranked 46th nationally, giving up nearly 25 points per game. However, they did rank third nationally in opponents' yards per rush, allowing only 2.6 yards per rush, yet allowing 2.7 passing yards per pass, which ranked 75th nationally. I imagine that Narduzzi was not too happy about his defense, being that he is a defensive guy himself. And defensive coordinator Randy Bates looks to continue to improve the pit defense. Let's go ahead and take a little bit of a deep dive into their D coordinator, Randy Bates. Bates began his coaching career at Division III Muskingum College. In 1983, he went to Miami University as a graduate assistant. And then from 1984 to 1988, he found his first DC role, serving also as the recruiting coordinator for St. Joseph's College Pumas. From there, he spent the next three seasons coaching linebackers and defensive backs for Navy, which was kind of his first big-time job, if you will. Bates then coached the linebackers at New Hampshire from 1992 to 1997. From 2006 to 2017, Bates had a nice long tenure, coaching 12 seasons for the Northwestern Wildcats, and he was the linebackers coach. He coached back-to-back All-American linebackers in Anthony Walker Jr., in Patty Fisher. Then in 2018, Bates was hired by the Pitt Panthers and head coach Pat Narducci. The transfer portal has made itself known with every program, with guys coming in and out, and it's really taken off, and it has completely changed the sport, if you will. It affects every, every Power 5 program in the country, for good and for better. Veteran linebacker and team captain Kim Bright has entered the transfer portal and found a new home in Seattle playing for the Washington Huskies. Bright was a three-year starter at Pitt and has taken advantage of his sixth year of eligibility. The Washington Huskies have been slim at linebacker, so this was a much-needed get for their program. However, this does hurt Pitt and the D coordinator Randy Bates as they lose that veteran presence. In the 2021 season, Bright had 58 tackles, 19 quarterback pressures, three and a half sacks in one interception. Bright is known for being pretty versatile as a linebacker, playing about 50% of his snaps in the box, 30% of his snaps in the slot, and 20% of his snaps on the defensive line. Okay, next segment, let's look ahead to the future of the program and current recruiting buzz. So the University of Pitt currently holds the 29th ranked recruiting class for 2022. Last year in 2021, they finished with the 45th ranked class and looking ahead to 2023, they currently hold the 65th ranked class. This 2022 ranking puts them fifth in the ACC and is highlighted by three four-star players, Elliot Donald out of Pitt, Pennsylvania, Naquan Brown out of Virginia Beach, Virginia, and Nakai Johnson out of West Milton, Pennsylvania. Being able to keep Elliot Donald, the hometown kid, is a big get for the Panthers, who look to continue 
to build that defense and help replace linebacker Bright, who went on a leave in the transfer portal. Speaking of Elliot Donald, he's a four-star D-end out of Pitt, so he's a hometown kid like we just mentioned, and he's also the nephew of Aaron Donald. Obviously, being in the hometown and following in the footsteps of his uncle is definitely a draw for Donald to play for the Panthers. When you look at his uncle, Aaron Donald, he's the top pass rusher in the NFL. And does anybody actually really debate that? I don't think so. And so this shows that you don't have to go to a top tier program and be successful in the NFL. And this isn't new news. We've seen this in the past. Granted, it's the glamour and now having NIL and with how easy it is to transfer amongst schools. NIL and having boosters at big time programs like in Alabama, LSU, USC, Texas, Ohio State, etc. is even more of an added draw to come to a big time program because you're able to get paid. But if your hometown kid like Elliot Donald is and your uncle who is enormously successful in the NFL also went to Pitt, why not stay home and why not play for the Panthers? And that's what Elliot is doing. He's known for being fast twitch and explosive off the D-line with athletic body control. And really, at the end of the day, the kid is just a stud. He has received offers from programs around the country, from the likes of Ohio State, Penn State, Notre Dame, Mississippi State, Virginia Tech, Wisconsin, LSU, Texas A&M, Maryland, and more. His uncle obviously has shown how successful he can be playing football for Pitt and moving on to the NFL, but also with how successful Pitt was last year. This just opens the door for additional recruits for them as a program. Let's go ahead and move on looking at the 2020 schedule and looking ahead going into next year. So the Panthers started off with a couple home games, the first one at home versus West Virginia, and then the following week at home in an ACC-SEC showdown versus Tennessee. They then go on the road against Western Michigan, back home versus Rhode Island, and then they have three straight road games at Louisville, at Miami, Florida, and at North Carolina. They, they, they then come back home for a little, little bit of a stretch versus Duke, Georgia Tech, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, and then to finish out the regular season there on the road at Virginia. Possible ACC championship repeat in the mix? Definitely possible. And when you look at their bowl game last year, they did lose to Michigan State. And Kenny Pickett did sit out, which is very common for these star players to do. They can't risk, you know, if you're a first-round pick or a lock to go in the first round, you really can't play in that bowl game unless it's the playoff for national championship. Because if you get hurt, you could drop. And we saw what happened with Jameson Williams. That's just very unfortunate for him because you're not going to sit out of the national championship game. Not going to happen. And ACL tear, he's had a great year. Is he still going to go in the first round? Yes, he is. Did he drop a spot or two? Most likely. And and when you drop, that's just money that you lose. Now, Jameson will be fine. He'll go to a, you know, a pretty good team, right? He's not going to be a top 10 pick probably. So he won't go to an awful team. And same with Kenny Pickett. Right. Will he go in the top 10? I don't think so. Bill Kipper has him going, you know, middle of the first round. And really, 
yes, you want to be number one overall pick, number two overall pick. That's great. But more often than not, you're just going to a really bad team when that's the case. Who wants to go to the the Jets? I mean, they got Zach Wilson, and congrats to Zach Wilson for that money. But the Jets suck, and that's where quarterbacks go to die. So when you're drafted in the middle of the first, it's actually a little bit better of a situation that you're being brought into. So we'll stay tuned to see where Kenny Pickett goes. But Pickett sat out of that bowl game, and we saw a couple different backup quarterbacks come in for Pitt and just get some valuable experience that, that they can build on in the offseason as we look ahead going into next year. Okay, that is going to do it for this week's episode of Sideline Exposure. So thank you for listening. That was Exposure 104 and the deep dive into the University of Pitt Panthers. Stay tuned for the next Exposure pod dropping next Sunday, February 13th. And if you're new to the show, first of all, welcome. And what we do here at SE is we do a deep dive into one Power 5 program each week. And we release episodes every Sunday. So I like to bounce around the country a little bit. But we stick to Power 5 programs for now. And next, we'll be looking at an SEC school and be able to give you guys some details from there. So our goal is to drop a new episode every Sunday throughout the entire offseason, which gives you something just look forward to for those of us that love football, especially college football, the offseason can be long, but this just offers hopefully just some information for you and, you know, gives you some added bonus and details that you may not get from the national media, which is part of the reason why we're doing this show. Stay tuned for more content coming your way. Another part of what SE is going to be is we're going to do deep dives into stories and players that have pretty much rocked the college football world especially in recent memory and more is to come on this but to give you a little bit of a teaser we'll do a deep dive into things like joe burrow's transfer from ohio state to lsu what went on with cam newton and at auburn what went on with johnny manzel texas a&m and all that money etc and i think that's something that is very interesting. These are stories that have rocked the college football world. They have helped change the sport for the good or for the better. You can decide that yourself. But these are stories that people want to hear and details that you either may have not have known or may have forgotten. So stay tuned for some updates coming your way a little bit later in the offseason as we'll start to take deep dives into those things as well. As always, thank you for listening. If you have a rating or review to give us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen, that would be greatly appreciated. You can find us on social media at Sideline Exposure on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. And then you can find us on Twitter at Sideline Expose. Stay tuned for more content coming your way every Sunday. And as always, thank you for listening.